We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith podcast uh, post Newcastle United 2, Liverpool 3 on a Saturday night in James's Park. I'm Alex Hurst, Norman Riley with me to talk through all of the action and the context of the game and um, a few things to get us started. First of all, brand new issue of True Faith out now. Fans, you can get it anywhere in the world digitally or I will literally post it to your door. Buy it from the back page, M&M News in Central in town. Newcastle United's only print fanzine, so please do get involved. We are sponsored by our patrons who pay one no, they don't. They pay about seven quid a month. One pound, that would be too generous. <laughs> they pay about seven pound a month for 20 extra podcasts, and we've got some of the audio coming up later in the show from Norman's magnificent Match Day podcast last night, uh, basically showcasing the ridiculous atmosphere at St. James's Park. And then, um, Norman, where to start with that one? I mean, I've got loads of questions for you, and I think we're going to talk through the game. Mm-hmm. But you know what? How, pri- how proud are you? of this team and and you know the talk before the game was all about let's keep it tight 60 70 minutes let's try and stay in the game and it just didn't happen did it we were magnificent um it was interesting because i thought obviously the the mount riding on the game for liverpool it was huge they had to win no they had to win and they did you know which which is testament how how good they are but i thought we'd either go one of two ways we'd either concede early in the, the be a comfortable two to three nil win um, or we keep it tight, like that, you know, as we do. That's what Newcastle do, um, and we might get something. But because the pressure was off, the players played like the, the, the played like they had nothing to lose. And to us, well, obviously they didn't. That the game to lose, but there was nothing raining for us. And and that just it filled that up from the players into the stands within a matter of seconds from kickoff. It was like all of a sudden, hold on a second, we're we're having a gun. We're we're here to play, and we're here to beat them today. And this is it was just. It was just a beautiful, beautiful game to watch. I can't believe I'm 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 so positive about um a defeat. It was just it was just a fantastic performance and I suppose a kind of window into what Newcastle United with Rafa Benitez backed financially would be capable of because you, you, you give them the players that are capable of performing like that on a weekly basis, a team that can take risks because they're they're good enough to take those risks. Um that's what you'd get. You'd get entertaining football. Rafa's a pragmatic manager, he'll work with the tools that he's got. That's why we've been playing this kind of dour sort of um, stifling football for a couple of seasons because that's that's the choice. That's the only choice that we've had. Give him the money, and that's what you'll get. You'll get entertainment, just like you did when he was manager. Manager when he had the money. Absolutely, and it's 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 such, it was such a weird night. First of all, because a nineteen forty five kickoff. I think we were saying halfway through the day we wish every 
home game was 1945 on a Saturday. Not anymore. Not not feeling like I'm feeling on this Sunday morning. <laughs> and I reckon there's a few sore heads out there, not just the Liverpool fans who got punched in the head. But being in the uh, home end, more on that later. Um, but from 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 me and you had a good old drink. We're, we're you know we're, we're in an office now in the Toffee Factory, Newcastle. Went to the free trade. Went to the time. It was a, it was a tremendous day in the city of Newcastle um, for everybody, not just going to the game. But it was almost like beforehand, you know, I was speaking to other lads who do the who do the podcast, and it was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter about tonight because even if we get beat four 0 it's all about Rafa, it's all about singing, it's all about showing him love, and I think that was the plan. And then this this game of football happens. And it's like, we should have expected that because it's Rafa. And, you know, Liverpool, regarding, you know, let's let's assume Rafa leaves, which is not something I want to assume, but let's assume it does happen. Liverpool are the only top six side that Rafa hasn't beaten at home in his tenure here. Mm-hmm. We'll put all of the other <clears throat> sides to the sword. And I mean, that in itself is a sensational record over two seasons. It would be interesting to see if in the last two seasons anyone else has done that. I highly doubt it. I probably should have checked, but we haven't. Um, and it was like, we, always, we should have known that Rafa would have a plan to make this a right good fucking game. And I get what you're saying about, you know, the, the team. And, and and I think the second half performance was so much better than the first half performance. Because we started, I think, I don't think it was the occasion. But, you know, look at Liverpool's first goal. Uh, Atsu gives the ball away to Richie. Um, you know, it, there's a moment before that Shaw makes a, or Shaw makes a brilliant tackle yeah. on... Mane then passes the ball to the other box, and that's not really like us. Lascelles and the, you know it does the same thing, gives the ball away, passes the ball to them. And I think in the first half, until we got our goal, there were a bit of nerves. And I mean, we, we may as well kind of talk through the game. Um, you know, team selection was kind of what everyone thought. Kaysen Young comes in uh, for John Joe Shelby, which again isn't that surprising. People are kind of equating that to John Joe's career being over in Newcastle. Time will tell. But ultimately, you know, the game starts off. Kind of 100 miles an hour. Liverpool are dangerous on the counter, more dangerous than us, which you'd expect. But I thought Newcastle started very well and, and were the equal of Liverpool before the first goal. How did you see it? The whole, um, I absolutely saw it. I think the whole, um, the whole match, we, 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 were, we were the equals. There was, you know, there was never a period in the match where I thought they were utterly dominant. I mean, the second half especially, um, after the run, on equaliser, we were so on top of the game for about sort of 10, 15 minutes. At that point, I thought... We've got them. They're nervous. They're falling apart. We're going to get a winning goal. Um, I think I even turned around you and said at one point, I can see us winning this 4-2 if we keep going the way we are. Um, I mean, that was wildly optimistic and probably fueled by drinking atmosphere. But um, no, we we started off, um, I, I thought, I wouldn't necessarily say on the front foot, but we certainly didn't start off cagey. Yes, there, were, you know, there, were, there was a little bit of shoddiness in there, but I would put that more down to the fact that you see nerves... Nerves possibly, but again, this was a match for us that on a kind of psychological level for the players, it didn't matter. And now that sounds, I don't mean it doesn't matter that the professionals, the care, the one, the one to win the match. But what I mean is, you know, you've got two sides in completely different positions. Liverpool, everything to play for, us nothing to play for. So I think the concentration levels at the start of the match probably weren't kind of on a level because our concentration levels, I suppose, didn't need to be. But as soon as the players got the bit between their teeth, that was it. We, we we transformed after the sort of first ten minutes, and were in a side. To be honest with you, that looked like it had a lot riding on the game, and that was just really good to see. See, spot on there with that analysis. And in, in in terms of defensive application, in terms of putting your head in, winning fifty fifties, turning the ball over Isaac Hayden, Fabian Scher just continued to win the ball in the second half. It genuinely did look like for a while, like you know, quality aside, you know, we were battling to stay in the Premier League or battling for something and, and they were the team kind of just knocking it about 
you know, we'll get on to the second half in a minute and, and kind of the psychological impact. I think that Salomon Rondon in particular has on that Liverpool team, you know, I hate you know, saying one player was much better than the others, but we're going to talk about his performance. But I thought Salomon Rondon put the fear of God What's in the Liverpool life. Yeah, I mean, Van, D- Van Dijk, one of the best players in the world, potentially. W- you know, we, <laughs> yeah, we'll, uh, we'll know this morning that he's been in the game of football last night. Um, we'll concede the first goal and it's disappointing. I don't think we can lie. First of all, like we said, we give the ball away in our own corner. Matt Ritchie does great. Matt Ritchie was fucking brilliant, but Matt, Matt Ritchie does great to uh, to block a Salah shot. And then, you know, what happens from there is really disappointing. We may, we may as well get into it. The captain, who I thought had a really good game, apart from all the goals we conceded. <laughs> So uh, that, that, that's funny because um, I, he had a great game apart from the fact that he, uh, he was responsible for three goals that the opposition scored. Um, sounds kind of like Titus Bramble's performance at Newcastle. But, um, I'm not that I'm comparing, obviously, Jamal Sells and Titus Bramble. Um, the first goal, now, uh, at the time, it just happened so quickly. I don't think we necessarily, we were just like, that was shocking marking. That, that's what it initially appeared like. Now, obviously, I haven't watched the highlights. You do see that Lascelles slips, and of course, my biased um, thought process is like, oh, Lascelles slipped, it was dead unfortunate. But you made the very good point, and again, having watched it, um, I, he, he, just lo- he just loses his man. It was very, he switched off, he switched off for a split, I mean, a split microsecond. And as he kind of, as, he, as soon as he's realised that Van Dijk's got, like, got that two or three inches on him, he's tried to kind of get back on him, and he's slipped, and it's just given Van Dijk the freedom of, freedom of the box to put in. What was a fantastic header, to be honest, but I it was. I think what was slightly disappointing as well is is that the gap just appeared. This this huge. It was almost like Van Dyke was just kind of on his own in a a, a kind of circle of about like a meter. It was just like wait, wait what's happened here? What's happened? Um, and I think I know. Did we have did we have any players on the on the um, covering the posts? That's you see the like, little thing like that. Like, it kind of Van Dyke comes up for a header and he's got the, he's got the goal gaping. You have a player on the posts. Which is perhaps some of the other players themselves should be seeing. Get on the bus, get on the bus. It narrows, it narrows Van Dijk's kind of window down, and it may, it may produce a different result. But yeah, disappointing. Yeah, I mean, disappointing. Ultimately, with these type of things, we're going to talk about this later in in, in reference to the Fabinho free kick dive uh, and, a, and a few other things in the game. It's a fantastic delivery. You know, it doesn't matter. You can lose your man if he hits the first man. It's a fantastic delivery from Arnold, and again, more Arnold in a fucking bit. Um, interesting night he had. But uh, it's a fantastic delivery and it's a great header. And yeah, it's frustrating that Lascelles loses man. But that's the difference. Like We do that against Southampton. In fact, we do it three times in the second mm-hmm. half. And, 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 and Yoshida misses all three chances. So it's not like it hasn't been coming. And I think match of the day referenced how bad we are in set pieces. It's, it's, it's especially frustrating that we've started so well. But you know what? In the context of this game, we're 1-0 down. This is supposed to be, right, Liverpool are 1-0 up, lads. This is Liverpool coming to bottom half Newcastle United. This is Liverpool who've lost one game in the league this season. They should boss it from here. They should put it to bed. They should win the game 3 or 4-0. And the opposite happens. And that's testament to our lads. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll point them out. And I've criticised them at times this season on this podcast. Matt Ritchie. I always look at Matt Ritchie when we go behind. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at Matt Ritchie when we go behind, he is... He's he's in everyone's faces. He's he's geeing everyone up. He's saying this isn't over. This isn't done. And if you compare, like you know, we always talk about the character of the side and what Rafa Benitez has done. You compare a player like Matt Ritchie to a player like Johan Kabai or a player like Musa Sissoko. You know, when we were beaten six 0 by Liverpool years ago. Mm-hmm. That's the difference. When we conceded that first goal, you have Matt Ritchie in your fucking face as a player, and you're like, I'm not going to let him down. He still believes. 
And whilst that may be a little bit simplistic, because you know we've got like Kayson Young as a professional footballer, played the, the highest level for a long time, I think Matt, Matt Ritchie's enthusiasm drove that team yesterday. And when when the crowd is on it, like we were, because of, you know last home game of the season, great game of football, potentially Rafa's last game, nineteen forty five kickoff, you can tell it feeds the players. You can tell a player like Christian Atsu. He grows a couple of inches. He gets a yard quicker. Matt Ritchie starts, you know, controlling the ball first time. He starts popping it off. And after that first goal went in, I think there was only one team in the game for a period. Would you agree? And how do you how do you think that you know we we got back into the game like we did? You're right. We did control the game after they scored. And um, one thing I will say, and and this isn't me um, criticizing Liverpool Football Club. I like. I mean, you know, I've, I think Liverpool are a fantastic team. Great, great supporters in general. You know, wonderful city, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But when they scored that goal yesterday, if I was a Newcastle player, seeing how they celebrated that goal, I think that immediately would have just wound me up. That the, 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 and if you watch it back, we, we I think we said at the time that there's a bit of an arrogance. Yeah, they've already got this game, they've already won the game, and the celebrations that you, you're watching my match of the day, and they were just really kind of it was a cockiness there, which you know, which is going to come with a team that's as good as they are. But it was it was this overconfidence, and obviously you look at someone like Matt Ritchie. Maybe he sees something like that. I might be completely speculating. I mean, I'm just this is just me interpreting how I, how I did. He looks at that and he thinks, yeah, well, we 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 need to show these that we're not going to lie down, and that's exactly what happened. And um, we we equalised relatively quickly. And uh, and yeah, they, they, we'll talk about it obviously. And then they got the goal, but we we never ever looked like well that game. Even when they got the um the what turned out to be the winner, I still at that point felt that we would get something, and that's. Testament to players like you say, players like Matt Ritchie. I'm going to mention him because I know I've defended him on numerous occasions, but I thought Mankilio was excellent yesterday. Um, and like Atsu, he's one of those players, whatever his limitations are, when the crowd's up for it, when the rest of the players are up for it, when there's this kind of confidence and this belief and desire running through them, they all look so much better. And you mentioned Kabai there um, in Sosogo, let's see. And now look, does Matt Ritchie have a bigger um, will to win than? Rian Kabai, well, probably, and ultimately, he has to because Rian Kabai is te- was technically a lot better of a footballer. I mean, you look at his career, yeah. he's had a totally different career. Um, but at the same time, these are players being managed by Rafa Benitez. You know, you put like Rian Kabai, most of us are going in a Rafa Benitez side, and they might actually produce that kind of performance as well. Yeah. Um, so are you, but you're, but you're right. I mean, it's just, it's lovely to see that type of player in the team because there's a direct connect with the fans because he's almost doing what you think that you would do if you'd ever been given the chance. You would just give it everything and it was really lovely to see. I mean, we'll talk about the goal. The, the goal, and I'm going to play some some audio after this um, of Norman's Matchday podcast, which is available for patrons, where he basically talks before the game with a bunch of us and then records during the game, almost like a kind of roving BBC reporter, but from Block V or from the away end with the atmosphere. And the atmosphere after the, both goals yesterday, and the atmosphere, Kind of like John Simpson when he walked into Kabul after the fall of the Taliban. Kind of that, that kind of journalism, <laughs> isn't it? Exactly that kind of journalism. Um, but, I mean, first of all, Norman, major question to ask here. Has a team ever benefited as much by conceding a goal as Liverpool did there? Because it's a red card and it's a penalty. And I, I don't think Matt Ritchie doesn't miss many. And I think he scores the penalty. And I think we're 1-1 against 10 men. And you talk about big moments in the title race. And listen, 38-game season, the best team wins. You've got two you know, ridiculous teams in terms of level compared to the rest of the Premier League. I, th- I, I wonder whether Jurgen Klopp and the players and the Liverpool fans realise just how much they got away with it there. Absolutely. Um, watching a game, watching Matt today this morning, um, and you watch the incident, 
and you just think, do I blame Christine Atzo for doing what he did? Of course I don't. The ball, the ball is there, the goal's gaping, and Atzo just lashes it in, which is exactly what you would do. But I reckon Atsu probably on Hain- with Hainsey probably thought if I just let the ball run, that would have been it. And you're right, I do. I think Matt Ritchie does score that penalty. Um, and I think against ten men, Liverpool will have to reshuffle. They probably take they probably take off an attacker. Um, so they take off storage. They're, they're a completely different side. Now, how many times have Liverpool been out of ten men this season? I don't recall. I genuinely don't recall seeing it. So I don't even know how how they react to it. Now you're bringing everything there. They go down to ten men. The nerves start kicking in. It's ones each. The crowd is going even more raucous than it was because they've had a red card. And we know, we know that this is a real chance of winning. Um, and it didn't happen. And it's a real shame. But at the same time, did that, did that stop us celebrating Christian Atsu's goal? Like, absolute lunatics. Well, no, it didn't. But you're right. I mean, they've benefited hugely from it. Um, and it, to a certain extent, part of me thinks that the rule's a little bit stupid. Uh, regardless, Arnold should have been sent off. He handled the ball on the line. And yes, we did score, but we did lose out the advantage of having a man, a man sent off the pitch. So there you go. If there's anyone from the FA watching this, have a word here. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I mean, it was, it was first of all, it was um, Richie, they called it a, a mishit shot, a match of the day. I'm not sure. I don't think. I mean, Rondon, great first time finish, great goal, should have been. And then Atsu, Atsu smashes it in and it's kind of the, 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 the place just comes alive again. And it was almost like, because, you know, I, I don't know how many minutes it was. This isn't the type of podcast, by the way, for your exact minutes after goals. It was some minutes after Liverpool scored their third goal. There were some minutes that elapsed. Who knows how many it was. It's lost to history now. Um, but even after Liverpool scored that first goal, I think Dubravka makes a really good save, but it might have been at 1-1 anyway. Um, and it, it, it was it, the whole game. And you know what? I'm going to echo the Man City game here when we beat Man City at home. And let's let's face it, I thought we were better last night than we were against Man City. Well, that, that doesn't always mean you have to win the game. You know, you, you, could, you could argue that Man City didn't deserve to lose to us. I thought we should have won the game last night. But what, what I find so interesting about last night is the fact that, like, it's not like Dubravka's pulled off five or six saves to keep them out. Liverpool done a shot in the second half. Storage skies went over on 52 minutes. Yeah. And... And that's it. That's it for what the next thirty minutes from from Liverpool. Who are this? You know, and they are. I'm not. I'm not. We're not bad losers here. I, w- I want to give credit where it's due. Liverpool are a great team. Some of the football they played, some of the first time passing through midfield was exceptional. We defended it brilliantly, but there weren't all that to us. And it was kind of like I think we all expected more. And and it just you know Dubrav is not pulling off saves. There's no the, the referee in controversy was in their favour, not ours. And it was the same as the Man City game where. When, when you know people look back at this result in 30 years, they think, oh, we beat Man City at home 2-1. I've said it before on the podcast. It must have been off the line. It must have been backs to the ball. It must have been keep it making saves. The referees probably give what dodgy. Nah, we just beat them. We just controlled the game without possession, but we controlled the space as a Rafa team will do. We limited them to very few chances. And it was the same again yesterday. And it's it's almost like it's a tactical masterclass Uh Normally to do that from two one down, I go behind twice as well. It just I don't know how Rafa does it. Obviously, we're not football managers. We aren't, you know, at that level. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does. Um, and I just want to I want to talk through the the Perez chance, by the way. And again, he talk oh, about luck for Liverpool. I mean, this, by the way, is a is a has a little period of, of of football, pure football. Shaw wins the ball, passes it to Liverpool. Hayden wins it back, or Hayden wins the ball, vice versa. First of all, Shaw's three steps forward outside of the foot pass is is too much. So we're already off to a flyer. Christian Atsu then out jumps Dejan Lovren to win ahead. That's pathetic. 
pathetic from Liverpool Liverpool you're watching fans again. Have, um, if you read a couple I've read a couple of their reports this morning written by Liverpool fans and they've slated Lovren's performance it was bad but I mean Christian Atsu wins a header against me Christian Atsu's like 5 foot 9 or something Dejan Lovren this big you know Balkan centre yeah, back yeah, and yeah. it's just like Christian Atsu not only has he won the header he's knocked it down for Jose Perez now from Shaw the ball doesn't actually touch the ground from here Shaw plays it from the outside of the right foot Atsu's knocked down Perez doesn't let it bounce. Van Dijk should get there and clear him out, either win the ball or Shepman away from goal. He takes another touch, gets away from Van Dijk and smashes against the crossbar. And if that had gone in, which it should have, I think we'll win that game again. And it's all if, ifs and buts and who knows how Liverpool respond, who knows how we respond, you know, because do we step off all these kind of things by going ahead. And it's just, I mean, it was all, it's almost like fantasy football watching that. And it hasn't fucking gone in. So no one will remember it. It's like John Joe Shelby against Chef Wed when he hits the bar from his own half. No one really talks about it or remembers it because those fine margins make a career. Um, I mean, it was just it was, it was was just unbelievable football. I mean, we are going to talk about Atsu a little bit later, but I know, I know you want to kind of touch on his performance because, you know, we had it at Brighton last week. It was in the away end. It was Atsu, shite, he's shite, Mankio, shite, these shite. Well, actually, these lads are they're all Couldn't right. Couldn't agree more, mate. Um... It's frustrating, and you know I'm I'm repeating myself here. I'm pretty much repeating what I said last week in the Brighton review that these players have got limitations. These players weren't getting games at the clubs at the cost next to note. They're coming in the side. They've been asked to do a job, and as far as I can see, they're doing the job that that they're being given. And they're not going to tear up trees because that that's not the kind of players that they are. Um, Christian Atsu was in the Premier League for three or four years and barely barely got a game. He went out and loaned Everton. He went out and loaned Bournemouth. He, he didn't play. Um, Rafa's tournament were Rafa. Rafa's ability, he's coaching a bit, the coaching staff's ability, and Christian Atto's sheer desire have turned him into a, a Premier League footballer. Now, would he be in any other Premier League team playing the way that he is? Probably not. This is down to this is down to, down to coaching, it's down to coaching, it's down to man management, it's down to micro management. But the fact is, every time he steps on that pitch, every time Mankiu steps on the pitch, every time they do something that isn't perfect, you know, that shouldn't take away from the fact that, like, most of the time, they're doing the jobs that they're out there doing. They're doing it fantastically well. And it's just, just for me, it's just really good to see when when they do put in performance like that, which was basically flawless last night. That's to be pretty much flawless. Yes, he gave the ball away for the first goal. But look where he gave the ball away. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it's that really shouldn't be leading to a goal anyways. And if you want to lose the ball, you want to lose the ball on the edge of the 18-yard box, you know. Um, Mankiw, again, he's come in. He's replaced, he's replaced the Eden in the side. And... I mean, this is no criticism of DeAndre Yedden, but we've looked better with Mankiw in that position. Um, and it's... I'm, look, criticising players when they're not pulling their weight, when they clearly don't care. You know, you mentioned Sissoko before, there were games where he just disappeared. His heart wasn't in it. These players are the one thing that they always give. They always give. That They always put their heart into it. And for me, criticising them is never going to help them. And look what happened last night. They were brilliant and fair, fair play to them. Simple as that. There's a moment in the second half. I think it's just before our equaliser... When Christian Atsu picks the, picks the ball up on the halfway line, and, and the Christian Atsu of, of maybe a lot of this season or the, of old would have gone backwards. Yeah. And I think he looks in front of him and he sees Dejan Lovren. Lovren, Lovren. Lovren doesn't even get close enough to him to, to even attempt the foul. And he puts a fantastic ball in. I think Robertson heads it out for a corner when Perez is coming in and will score. And that only happens because Atsu does what he does. And that, like, no bones. I, I want to see better players playing for Newcastle and Christian, Christian Atsu. But you can't fault his endeavour. You can't fault what he gives. And he cost five million quid. He couldn't get in our team in the championship ahead of Johan Gufran. 
and, and he's come in last night with our Miron engine. We'll talk we'll touch a bit that more on that later, how much we missed him. But he's come in last night and he's and he's he's really given Liverpool something to think about and he scored a goal and you know, that run in the second half where Milner brings him down, he beats about five Liverpool players. Like what are Liverpool playing out there? Like it's Christian Atu, lads, that's what I'm thinking. And then you've got to give you've got to just say, you know what, Atu was he's come in and, and, and I don't think Rafa could have asked any more from Tell you what I will say and this this ties in Atu as well. It, it's it's self belief, isn't it? It's it's coaching staff giving you the confidence to do that. It's the, the spirit that's obviously been engendered within the squad itself. This is These are players who trust each other, players who, who clearly believe in each other, players who probably know their own limitations and the limitations of teammates, but it doesn't matter because the work is a unit. Now, Ayuse Perez is the example I'll, I'll use. to. Uh, he, he, he is the absolute manifestation of that. This is a player who we saw the potential. We saw the potential when he came over as a 21-year-old and he came in when Alan Pardew said, you know, he's fast-tracked in the first team. He was brilliant. Um and he kind of disappeared in the last two seasons, but especially the last 12 months, especially it's almost like he's gained extra ability and it's not, that's just down to self-belief and self-confidence. That run last night where he hit the ball, the close control, the, the ball at the minute is sticking to Ayose Perez's feet and his footwork is so quick. He's, he's basically, I love this word, I'm going to use it, bamboozling defenders. Um, it's it's just self-belief. It's self-belief and, and brilliant coaching. And it's just so lovely. Ayose Perez, I'm telling you, no, he gans but he gans to Spain, he gans to Betis, he gans to Valencia, he gans to Atletico Madrid and Simeone. He'll be an absolute star in that league, I don't doubt it. Well, I hope he stays here. Another of the truthers of Rafa Benitez and continues to get better. Liverpool's second goal, again, it's, it's dreadful from Newcastle. And this, this is the thing, this is why I can't get my head around this game. It's like, we were so good for us, considering opposition. But you you can't give away three goals. And I know the third one will come. You can't give away three goals to anyone and expect to win games at home. And like, what happens, Norman, for the second goal? I mean, you watch it back. Like, where's Lascelles? Like, where is he? I don't even think he's in the shot. Um, but uh, I am. Um, I, I, I mean, I've, I've no idea. I've no idea. Look, the, I suppose the only justification you can maybe make is that. When they attack, they're so quick. I mean, the, the, the speed that they ping the ball around, like you say, the kind of first-time passing. Now, don't get me wrong, just because they're passing the ball quickly doesn't mean you shouldn't be tracking back or picking up your man or sticking with them. But, I don't know. They've got, they've got that second goal and not long after we equalised as well. The stadium was raucous. I can only guess that the concentration levels, the players were probably still a bit giddy, maybe getting a little bit carried away with themselves slightly, so the concentration slips ever so slightly. And against a team like Liverpool, like they were against Man City, you cannot afford one microsecond of a concentration lapse because you're punished for it. And ultimately, we conceded three goals basically from lapses in concentration. Well, the third one's, yeah. that's a discussion we're going to have, but that's all I can say about it. Yeah, the cells weren't missing, but excitement, lack of concentration, speed of Liverpool's attack. There you go. That's, that's as good as it gets for me there, mate. Inexcusable. Inexcusable. Yeah, yeah. and... Uh... You know, I think if you're going to be hypercritical, which we know the manager will be, I think Richie and whoever else is with which in the corner are far too square. Mm-hmm. One of them should have dropped. Uh, Storage's back heel, which is very good from Storage, doesn't happen. Um, you know, Arnold, who shouldn't be on the fucking pitch, <laughs> puts the ball in. Um, and yet it's so disappointing to see Mo Salah only yards, seven yards out in the oh, Castle right. County. I mean, you can see, see Dubravka's just like, Dubravka's normally pretty mild-mannered. But he's just like fuck's sake, lads! Like yeah. me, like I've got the family here. Like I've got the family here. Last game of the season, the world is watching, and you're giving us Mo Salah seven yards out. What the fuck am I supposed to do? I've had Virgil Daniel like Van Dijk yeah, four yards out. Yeah, yeah, p- pretty much. Like go in two one down at half time. Just really quickly, I-, I need to dig out one of the lads. Um, I'll remain nameless. Patrons will know because Mickey Rob 
Adam and Paul put together a tremendous first listen for parents last night. First listen is the show that I was recorded like on the final whistle. So it's full of like emotion, passion, a little bit of bullshit sometimes, and and you know statistical uh, analysis from Adam. And uh, one of the lads said uh, Mo Salah turns up and, and didn't fancy it, and I had to remind him he actually scored <laughs> in the first half. It's like he was shy that he scored. Um, Do you think the jug of cocktail might have had anything? I think I think a jug of cocktail might have might have. I think it was more than one drug actually. In fact, I can remember a place that will remain nameless because we don't want to sully their name. <laughs> you marching up to the bar and like grabbing it from behind the bar because it had been sent away. <laughs> uh, I was thirsty. Yeah, thirsty work. Um, right, half time, Norman, 2 1. I think I think everyone, the, the, the lads applauded everyone off the pitch. Pretty positive, but I think everyone, even from there, kind of thought, you know what, the game's Liverpool for winning. And it. It just didn't happen again, did it? Second half, Newcastle United, what can you say? I would love to know, I would love to have an insight into what, what Rafa said at half-time to those players and what Klopp said. It's what Klopp said that I would. I think I'd be more keen to hear because they came out, I, I genuinely thought they're going to come out and Klopp would tell them, look, just push for 10 minutes, sorry, because you'll get the third goal to come when the third goal goes in, when it's two-goal deficit, that's it, the game's over, it's done, just push. And they didn't. They, we came out and I just thought from, from the off, um, the, the players, again, again, I mean... It, it's difficult to to kind of articulate exactly that the feelings that I was I had right at that moment in time, but I genuinely thought the players just came out thinking we can we can we can get something yeah we can do something yeah and obviously it happened. I mean we scored what was it the fifty eighth minute we got the equaliser again. This is the minutes thing, isn't it? What was the exact minute we got the equaliser? It was one of, it was one of them. Um, one of them. But two two things happened before that goal which are interesting for me. One. Sturridge skies that chance uh, when he, he could he can take a touch and put it where he wants. And that again, unfortunately, is Lascelles pissing him out on the edge of the box, giving the ball away when there's no need. Um, he had a good game though, apart from that. He, did, like, he genuinely did. It has to be said. He, he you know, like we would we, we, we didn't give him a chance. Game, yeah. yeah, exactly. I know, but I, I don't want to dig him out too much because he's he's been he's been good for Newcastle. Um, so Sturridge misses that chance, and you're like that. You're just like, what well, you know that 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 was weird, almost like for it to be so bad. But it happens; it's football. And then and then from then on in, they they were nervous, mate. That's what storage missing that chance. It's nerves, and this is storage who barely played this season as well. Yet all of a sudden he finds himself in the side. I, I think Klopp made a mistake to almost storage. I think Origi would have given us more bother. I know Liverpool got three goals. Can storage is on the pitch, but in terms of, I, I think they would. Storage limited the movement of that forward line because basically Storage is, is a brilliant player, but he's knackered. You know, he's he's, he's not the more, most mobile of players anymore. He's intelligent, but he's not the most mobile. Origi is. Uh, I, I really rate Origi. He's the kind of player I'd love to see at Newcastle, to be honest. Because um, Rafa turned him into a world beater. Um, but I nerves. I think I think their players were nervous. We sense it as a crowd and on the pitch. Can you imagine on the pitch? If we can sense it, we can sense it in the stand on that pitch. Those Newcastle players could have just picked up on the body language of the local players, and like you see, it was it was all us all of a sudden. We started winning everything in midfield. Kaysun Young, Isaac Hayden, fantastic in the second half. I was a little bit critical to Norman at half-time about Hayden's first-half performance. I thought he was a bit lax with his tackles. He was just throwing in tackles and risking bookings. And he was winning the ball, but the ball was creating Liverpool attacks. And I just thought, yeah, little, and I'm sure Rafa said the same thing. Just be a little bit smarter. You know, take the man as well as the ball sometimes. And if you give away a foul, it's better than setting up a Liverpool counter-attack. And he does that. And Kaysun Young's so calm. And, and 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 Liverpool's I think it was Wijnaldum who was shite as typical away from home. We we know what Wijnaldum is. He can you know he'll probably not win anything this season. But he was he's a, he was a coward when he played for Newcastle away from home. Um, even though he's a fantastic footballer, um, yeah, Henderson and Wijnaldum 
were almost not really in the game. They, they, were, they weren't really picking up possession. They weren't finding players. Most of Liverpool's play, really weirdly, and it was, from the, back the it was from the back to the front. Yeah. It was the full-backs, who are very talented, yeah. playing balls, long balls, over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, Jurgen Klopp, Newcastle, all long balls, uh, long balls to Rondon. Well done, Jurgen. You're spot on. Tactical analysis, 10 million quid a year. Whatever I you want. pick up somebody set off the match as well. Yeah, but we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll mourn him later. But uh, Liverpool are the same. And it was, you know, Robertson and Arnold to Mane and Salah kind of in between the kind of the two two of our three centre backs. Um but 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 Key Key and Hayden were winning that midfield battle. I mean Key free, Hayden two million quid, twenty-three years old. And, and from that moment on, you kind of like you say, you saw Liverpool start to capitulate a little bit and, and, and none more so than Jordan Henderson. So just before we get our second goal, first of all in the first half, Henderson does some weird you know, he, he gives away a free kick in the box, and rather than just giving the ball back to our lads and cracking on with the game, I think he tries his best best mate Jordan Pickford impression. He starts doing kicky ups. He won't give the ball back. He knows what he's doing. He's in front of the Gallagher end. He's trying to wind the fans up. And I thought that's a, that's a strange one considering your best mate, whose head literally fell off and literally cost Everton a fucking game of football because he was dicking about mm-hmm. and got the crowd riled. So that's an interesting one. And there was a couple of other things in the game where he kicked the ball away. And you know what? Maybe Jordan Henderson, that's just how he plays. I don't know. But that moment before our equaliser, when Atsu puts the ball across, Richie runs into some Liverpool player. And it's accidental. And Liverpool don't get a foul. And most players will just get on with it. Henderson knows what he's doing. He's, he's arms out. He's screaming and marring his face. Better referees would have booked him straight away. Um, but it... He goes and he goes and he goes and that sets the Gallagher off and it sets the East Stand off and the Leases sad Magnum bastard and it's like he he must, he's played football for a long time he must know he's winding up and I felt like he was doing it on purpose and it and it and it's almost like what are you doing you've got a, you've got a Premier League title to win Jordan and you're fucking on and I know Sullivan have just finished fifth in the third division which is their worst ever finish in their league history and I know that must be hard to take and I know that you know that the, you know they might get promoted who knows I don't know much about the, the third division and the standard of it and maybe in a couple of seasons they can reopen the, the whole stadium to let you know fans and if they do decide to come back and support the team but don't take that into a title title game against Newcastle United on a Saturday night and he paid for it. Um, in, in, in the biggest possible way because if you watch the highlights and you listen to it when we score that second goal the whole stadium is singing you're just a sad Mark and bastard and it's like maybe you know what it's football who knows how much of these things have an influence but it's probably easier to defend the corner in silence than with the whole fucking stadium 52,000 people when you're trying to talk to your mates about who to mark and you can't hear because of it I'm just I, 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 think, I, I actually think it's just a bit pathetic if you're like look the, the rivalry between Sunderland and Newcastle um, another quick one is there anyone in Sunderland whose name isn't Jordan? Um, Not born between like 91 and 94, um, clearly. It's it's like, mate, you're the captain of a team that's pushing for the title. You know what? You know you're like petty, pathetic, immature issues that you have with a football team that you've really got nothing to do with anymore other than as an opponent. Like, just put them to bed. Don't lead, lead your players by acting like a mature, you know, a mature human being instead of being a fucking child, which is what he was. And it almost backfired. And look, the one in the end, but the one, and I don't think Henderson was any, any kind of contribution towards that very. He didn't really, he wasn't really there, apart from being a pathetic little boy. So there you go. We'll score the corner and it's absolutely, you know, it's an outrageous goal. Two, two things are outrageous about it. The assist and the finish. Which one do you want to talk about first? I want to talk about the finish because it's a, like it, it's a, the moment it left his boot to, in, under a second in the net, you just knew the, the connect. You could basically where we were, and there's a lot of noise where we were. So you could almost feel it hit his foot. It was absolutely beautiful, and I know 
obviously, you know, you've made some good points on Rondon, how we, you know, we maybe are kind of slightly going over, slightly overboard about how, how good he is because that's the club that we are now, you know. A, a player who never really tore up trees in the Premier League is all of a sudden an absolute legend. Well, I'm going to have to say it, you, mate, you're completely wrong. He's fucking brilliant and he's one of the best forwards in the Premier League and that just showed it to the Yagan. I'll just come back quickly. I, I love Rondon and I want him to sign. It's, it's imperative we sign him. But I just feel like, I just feel, you know, some fans have, have said, you know, Rondon, he's, he's this, he's that. He's a 10 goal a season. He's got 10 now, hasn't he? So it's the first season we've had two players with 10 Premier League goals since Demabon Papi Cissé, um, which is a grim stat. Um, in the Premier League, of course, and uh, I, I think he's great, and I'm desperate for it to sign him. I just, I just want with him a little bit higher. You know what? If if Salomon Rondon was our second or third choice striker, we'd be a top six side, and that's what I want. No and you know what? If he could, if that would inspire him to 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 break into the team even better. But at the minute, Newcastle United signing Salomon Rondon, even if we do it next season, it's still not good enough because we've got fucking Hosslu behind him. And in reality, if if Rondon had got injured this season, but, but there's a there's an argument to say we could have got relegated. We probably wouldn't because the three teams that have gone down are so bad, but we could have. It's only nine points difference between us and, and us and Cardiff or something like that. So, yeah, you, you are right though, to get that dig in because he was fucking brilliant yesterday. Oh, he bossed he Van Dyke, mate. I mean, he, he bossed him and like you say, Van Dyke is going to know that he was in a game. He, he, dominated, he dominated. The interesting thing is it was kind of even in the first half and I thought the first 10 or 15, Van Dyke probably had the, be- the better of Rondon and then Rondon learns from it and he realises he's going to, he can't go side by side he can't kind of nudge him off the ball. He's going to have to get like in the danger zone in front of Van Dyke every time. And he puts himself, he puts his body in the way. He should have won a hell of a lot more free kicks than he did. Fucking Mariner, who will come on to later. Disgrace of a referee. I mean, five five games, five defeats for Newcastle this season. He was, awful. He was, he was absolutely awful yesterday. We're going to come on the third yeah. goal, which is this uh, appalling. But I, I keep... Yeah, but... um. Anyway, the goal, I'll, I'll big up Mankio. Great header. It's like literally a fucking brilliant header. The amount of times you'd see a player just kind of loop it up and the keeper would come and claim or even pull out a player. Just, I think I think he means to get it to Rondon. And hilarious. Like, I don't know who the commentator was on Match of the Day, but he goes, oh, Liverpool might have a claim for offside that Jose Perez was impeding Alisson. It's like, no, mate, look at it. Alisson watches the header. Then he watches the ball going to Rondon's foot, and then he watches it like this. Look at my face. We're recording this for YouTube, by the way, so audio listeners can't see this. He goes, his eyes follow the ball with a clear line into the bottom corner of the net, and he doesn't move. Jose Perez is nowhere fucking near this goal. Pathetic from the, the commentator there, but you know, we'll not, we'll, we'll not hold it against Speaking him. Speaking of headers as well, mate. But it's just hilarious. A chance in the first half. Oh, you see, there's another chance. Come, are we going on the clock? Yeah, because I just want to. I just want to basically we'll, dig him out as well. We'll we'll finish finish the game. We'll finish the game. We'll talk about the managers after. Obviously, we'll talk about one more more than the other. But um, you've got you know you've got Rondon's turn, which I, I mean, fair play to Allison is a really good save actually because that's that's a really well hit shot. And I, I think Allison's almost because he is a really good goalkeeper. He's almost like predicted before he takes the shot where he's going to put it because that's that was a brilliant bit of play. I mean, again, it was Lovren. Fucking hell, Lovren! Like. Talk about Klopp, like picking Lovren and had a uh, matchup for this game, nearly cost them the league. But uh, anyway, we're back in, we're 2 2. The noise is sensational. And I, you know what goes against us, I think? And it's the same as Brighton at home. If you remember, we're battering Brighton for 20 minutes. It was only one winner. Glenn Murray goes down with a head injury, um, and the game stopped for eight minutes. And it's almost like a reset. And Salah going off, not just because his replacement scored, um, it, it, it kind of killed us when we had all the momentum, we had everything going for us. That's the last thing that well, we need. That's absolutely a you say it kills the momentum. But also what it does is is you've got players who've got this game plan to to manage 
the movement of, of Salah and um, Marnier. Um, and that changes all of a sudden. Origi's a completely different player. So the mindset of the players, if they've been so focused on, on you know, trying to keep Salah quiet, yes, we know that he scored. But if they've been so focused on it, to within split seconds, that whole kind of you know, way of playing, that kind of game plan to just go and to, to have to think on your feet so quickly to adapt to a new player coming on, it, it will throw you. And then you're absolutely right. That's what it did. It, it took the momentum away from the team. It settled the crowd down a little bit. And it also just changed the, the kind of dynamic on, uh, amongst the Newcastle players. And, and you're right, it was a, a very unfortunate. It's, it's weird that we're saying that the fact that Solo went off actually put the game back in their favour slightly. And I also feel being hypercritical of Rafa, I think, as well as Mancuso played, he was getting so much joy. I think Liverpool's uh, two fullbacks get a lot of praise, and they're really good footballers. But in the second half, they were poor. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I mean, Christian Atsu had Trent Alexander-Arnold's life in the second half. Um, Robertson and 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 Arnold were com- consistently letting players run in behind them. They didn't know where they were. There was a couple of offside decisions which were really close. The lads weren't playing offside. The Liverpool lads weren't playing offside. They just didn't know. They were there, and it goes to two two Norman, and it's, I think it's before and after the Salah injury, Liverpool heads fall off. I mean, you see them booting the ball out of play. You see people trying to, trying to take free kicks, and all of a sudden, you know, there only seems to be one winner. And you call it with, you know, Klopp says in his post match interview, he doesn't panic. There's no pressure. Well, there was fucking pressure on those players, and you saw that, and you saw like this kind of they come into this game, and, and I understand that this isn't arrogance. It's they expect to beat Newcastle United because of where they are and where we are. I get it. It's not. It's not. And, and if you're a good footballer and you score lots of goals and you win lots of games, you have that confidence. Man City were the same when they come to St James's Park and they play Newcastle side, who've hardly like scored a goal in two months, and somehow we managed to do it. And you, you could see Man City's players can't react when we go two one up, and it's almost like it goes to two two. How many chances? How many shots did Liverpool have? How many do you think? When it goes to 2-2, tell us how many shots on goal did Liverpool have at 2-2 before that goal? I'd say the goal was the only one, right? Zero. Zero shots from Salaran Rondon's goal. That's, that's, a, that's not a game plan. That, that is, we, we, have, we have upset them to a, a, such a degree. Salaran Rondon has put the fear of life into them. Perez isn't really in the game very much, but when he is in the game, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And Atsu, Christian fucking Atsu is having a field day. Getting in behind, although it's like a quality, you know, there's that time in the second half, I think, at 2-2 when he really should have put the ball across first time or had a shot, I think you said, at the game. He should have just tested. Alisson probably got a corner out of it and he fucks it up. Um, it was a sensational performance. I'm going to come come on to it after this, but we may as well talk about the winning goal, Norman. I just, where, where, where to start? I um, tend to, you know, you're at the match and a decision guns against you and you have the kind of, you know, the, the visceral immediate reaction, the anger, especially when you've had a few drinks as well, your anger levels are, are through the roof. And I remember at the time being angry and then watching the game again on match of the day, this more much of the highlights, I was actually angrier watching it sober the day after when I've got knee energy because I've got a male hangover. I was angrier. The decision, I mean, frankly, mate, it was fucking outrageous that that linesman gave that. I mean, this is... Fabinho threw himself on the floor. I mean, but it's it's not even like the lines has got the excuse of being a little bit further up the line, slightly kind of impaired vision. He's gone with you know a bad a bad gut instinct decision. It was in front of him. It was in front of him. There is there is no way there is no way that that he should be given that decision. And for Mariner to not then just say actually mate you're completely wrong. He's thrown himself on the floor. Sorry I'm overruling you to give him it. It was fucking shocking, shocking officiating and really really because. Mate, that was the only way they were going to score. They weren't, they weren't going to. They were going to score from either a corner from Shakiri or a free kick from Shakiri. You even saw Van Dijk on the free kick shifting Alexander Arnold, saying, "Shaq, put it, put the, put the in swinger in." 
and that's exactly that's exactly what happened, and it, it was just so bad. And but what can you say? What 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 else can you say other than fucking hell? Yeah, and it, uh, it's it's very disappointing. And there's been a, a bit of hyperbole and you know things on social media here at the moment. You know Liverpool cheating and oh god, not at know, all. You're trying to win Premier League titles here. Like if anyone's saying that, if we'd have done, if we'd have got if Almiron or Perez had gone down in the same fashion and we'd have scored. It's fine. You laugh about it. It's one of the things. Fucking hell, we'll go away with that that's one. That's not Fabinho's fault, mate. That's not. That's neither Fabinho's nor Liverpool's fault. That's that's the official. That's the official's fault. The officials. And also, I'm going to put a slightly positive slant on it and say, I'm pleased he did that. That I mean, that it is embarrassing for Fabinho. Don't blame him, but it's embarrassing. You know, he he's a professional and he he's he's had a, a hand in the the, the midriff for Matt Ritchie and has done some sort of like, if it was ballet, he'd be getting a stand. You know, that kind of mid air twirl to kind of go, like. Turnover in the air, it's fucking brilliant! Like, and he's done that because he doesn't want to recycle possession. He doesn't want to. He could turn back. Matt Ritchie's going to let him pass the ball backwards all day long. He doesn't want to pass the ball back to Dejan Lovren. He doesn't want to pass the ball back to Virgil Van Dijk because he knows they're going to have to start again in Castle in ship, and they're not going to break it down. He knows that. That's why he's left with this ridiculous option to dive. It's such a ridiculous option that he's probably embarrassed about it now. Even the referee, the linesman, gives it, and that—that's who—that's who I'm annoyed with here. The linesman. Absolutely. It's a. It, it's you know, and it's easy, isn't it? You know, we, we talked about in the match preview, which we put out for free last week, when the lads were saying, "Oh, you know, Lee Charlie's an idiot, and they're idiots." It's like, well, they're not really all that, you know. And, and you can say this linesman, he's probably not a bad linesman. He's, he's he's in the Premier League. He makes fucking a hundred decisions a game. You get one wrong, and people call you out. Normally, that's what I'd say. But this decision is so bad, it's so bad that you have to question his competence. Has he ever seen a game of football before? Has he ever played football? Does he understand football? And and what 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 I will say, what, what's even more frustrating, the the foul is on the fucking touchline. When the the free kick's given, Matt Ritchie goes and like like you know the linesman's life probably flashes through his eyes when Matt Ritchie storms in his face. And and Matt Ritchie, the ball's put down. Matt Ritchie kicks the ball where it should be taken from, and Mariner goes and gets the ball and puts it back. And now it doesn't matter. I don't think it makes any difference to the goal being scored, but it's just that kind of like it. And it's. You know, I'm not questioning their impartiality. I'm, I'm really not. But it's it's just shite, lads. It's just fucking shite. This is a big game. Can you not see the the occasion, the effort? Everyone's engrossed in this game of football, and it's been decided by that. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the defendants fucking shite once again. Norman thoughts? Absolutely shocking. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make excuses again. Yeah, really. Like, look, it's a free kick that that should never have been. The players are probably aware of that as well. It, it's thrown them. It's thrown them to a certain extent. Again, the concentration levels are gonna sit because you probably stood there and it's like like a bit of disbelief thinking, fucking free kick for that. And, and you you're gonna be, regardless of professional you might be, you're gonna be angry about the fact that someone so pathetically bad has gone against you. So again, you know, these very, very fine margins, these split seconds decisions that are taken, like the and also so the players' concentration levels are gone, and also last second, the last second they're expecting. I think they're expecting um, an outswinger from um, from Alexander Arnold, and they, they quickly change it. And Shakiri puts a, puts the inswinger in, and, and again that they haven't kind of lined up to to necessarily counter that that particular kind of free kick. Um, but I, it's still bad. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm clutching at straws, mate, because I'm just devastated. He's got Lascelles has got to be has got to be behind him. He can't he can't be. You can't be in front of him for that, and it's just shite. Um, it happens, and you know what? Origi gets that bit of luck um, because he actually like heads it the other way and it goes in off Lascelles' head. It's one of them things. When you're going for a title, these these are things you need to go in your favour. When you're battling for fucking 13th place, it doesn't really matter. Like I'm still 
dead proud of the lads. And what what I can't get over is like, you know, those of you who, who listen to us and have done five years now, we're very grateful for that. Um, like, I think we're fairly positive. We've had some criticism in the past, you know, some of it, you know, fair enough, some of it not, about being too positive, about talking up the lads too much. Like, we've watched them. We're good every single home and away game. And even I didn't think they were capable of that. I don't know whether you listening or watching thought, like, that team, Isaac Hayden, Kaysen Young, Christian fucking Atsu, Javier Mankio, Paul Dumont, Matt Ritchie playing out of position. Like, I, I didn't think what I thought we could, the best we could do was a Man City performance. And we were better, we were better than that. And I thought, push comes to shove, it's a, it's a close game. But on the balance of play, considering what was at stake and considering who had what to play for, I thought we were just a little bit better than them. I disagree with Jurgen Klopp. You know, were you surprised by the performance? Where does this where does this rank for you in terms of home games you've seen in Rafa Benitez? We lost the match. We we lost, but that was one of the most enjoyable matches I've been in the last two seasons. Um, that was like that was a, a Premier League performance, a really top Premier League performance, and that, as I think I mentioned to you before, uh, we were talking off, we were talking off here before. I think that's the kind of performance that if you give Rafa Benitez the backing, you give him the right tools. That's the kind of performance you'll get. Everything he does, he does with what he's got. So that's why for we've had for two seasons now, even in the championship, pragmatic football, pragmatic functional football that is set out to achieve uh, an, an aim. That aim for the last two seasons has been to avoid relegation. That's what we, that's the tools he had to work with. You give him the money, you give him the back, and that's the kind of performances you'll get. It was unbelievable. Look, look, the pressure was off the players yesterday. So I think, obviously, because there's no pressure on them to get anything out of this game, there wasn't any pressure on them to get anything, but they didn't need to get anything. But so you, you see players like Christian Atu, Javier Manquillo, like, that lack of pressure on them, can I suppose, can allow them to produce that kind of performance. They wouldn't be able to produce that performance week in, week out. If it was a, you know, if it was a, if we were in a relegation battle, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to unshackle themselves enough to do that. Um, but, as I say, you, you get four or five players in, we'll get more of those performances. I agree completely, and I think Almiron plays yesterday, and I think Liverpool are in real trouble because we saw how much the struggle against Christian Atu, and Almiron is ten times the player, so everyone knows that. Like for that, again, those little bits of look, we were missing our best defender in Florian Lejeune, arguably. Well, we'll I'm going to say our best midfielder comfortably in Longstaff, and um, you know. Rondon was magnificent, Perez is good, but you know, one of our most important players, particularly to the way we're playing the counter attack with Almiron and and you look at Lovren getting skinned by Christian Atsu and you just think you lucky bastard. Because if you'd be you red card, you wouldn't be recorded. You probably you, you wouldn't be on the pitch. And that it's Almiron's still like this unknown quantity almost, where because he hasn't scored, like a lot of other Premier League fans or clubs don't really rate him. And he's we know he's, he's fucking mint. I think he's I think he's I the dog's bollocks. I think he's gonna tear the league up next season. Um, provided we're backed and Rafa stays, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, I'm not sure, you know, like David O'Leary will see the same. <laughs> There's just these little jokes that we'll have about who will take over if Rafa goes. Um, That's a hell of a show. He's the worst one, yes. Right, Jurgen Klopp, after the game, you want to talk about him before we talk about Rafa? You know, you caveat everything, I suppose. You say Klopp, right? Like, and, you know, you can make excuses from He comes out of the match. And he says that we deserve to win that game. And it's like, mate, no, you didn't. And I can understand him saying it because he's trying to take the pressure off the players. He's trying to, you know, the, those players probably stepped off that pitch, realised they've been in a game. And there's probably a little bit of panic setting in because they're thinking, you know what, actually, we're not going to have this one, we'll be. Like, the, the, the last game of the season isn't going to be, it's not going to be as straightforward if you've got a, a team that plays anyway in the other level of these Newcastle players. And also, 
they, they, they clearly now consciously wave their nerves because that's what it looked like to me yesterday. So Klopp's probably trying to take a little bit of heat off them because that wasn't a necessarily impressive performance by them. We had more shots at goal. We had more shots on target. We had a lot less possession, but that's just, you know, what does what it Rafa say about possession? It's a made-up statistic for television. There it is. We, as far as I'm concerned, we we use the spears better on the pitch. We're just a better side. And for Klopp, like, it, it's almost like, why did you say that? It was like it was a, it almost felt spiteful. And for somebody who's saying, I don't feel the pressure, I don't feel the pressure. That, to me, was the comment of a man who feels under pressure. He feels the fucking pressure. And it's fair enough, like, I'd feel the pressure. You know, that's no, we're not criticising him. Listen, ultimately, it doesn't matter what Jurgen Klopp says about Newcastle United. It's irrelevant um, to us, but you, you are spot on. And I think you, you make, that's a great point because I think the fact that he feels the need to come and say that probably, they probably realise they've got away with it a bit. And um, like you say, you know, we got beat. It's not great. I'd fucking love to have drawn that game or got a win. But ultimately, there are bigger things. It's almost like the occasion and what we did outweighs the context of any result because if we get a draw there yet yeah, folks Liverpool and all Liverpool 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 you know I don't care you don't care Liverpool fans care Man City fans care your weirdos who like obsess about fucking other Premier League teams care I don't care about Liverpool I care about Newcastle United and Newcastle United are at a crossroads look at the flag pre-game I mean wow unreal effort like, that it's, yeah, uh, I mean, wow. you know, it's just the, 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 the pictures are almost like photoshopped yeah. do you know what I mean is that good it's almost like imagine if we could do like do this as a fan base and we didn't you know huge credit goes to, to war flags and everyone who, who put the effort and time into A raising the money B getting it from fucking Poland driving over there uh, and C then you know putting it up and down without a hitch last night absolutely everyone at True Faith takes what hats off to you I'm sure the rest of the fan base is the same um, but you've got the flag, you've got that atmosphere, you've got the stadium, you've got that team and that manager doing. We're at a crossroads. The easy, just the easy thing to do is just to push on. It's just to push on. No Newcastle fan is asking the club to spend beyond its means. No one's saying, Mike Ashley, put your hand in your pocket because we know that's going to happen. Um, not going to happen. Sorry. It's like, look at what we could be. Let Rafa Benitez have as much money as possible. Let's sign some good players. Let's sign them early. Let's get him on a five-year deal and let's go and have a crack at the top ten next season. And then who knows what happens beyond that. I think that's it for today. Uh, key thing, one last thing to say, one last plug. Um, we have a live event in London night before the Fulham game next Saturday. Norman Riley will be there. I, I won't be. Uh, everyone else in True Faith, I think, will be there just about. Uh, we have George Colton um, of The Times and Luke Edwards of The Telegraph, special guests. Um, fantastic live podcast show. Get yourselves along. Uh, there is like five tickets left. Um, so I'll put a link in the description of this podcast, both on YouTube and on SoundCloud and iTunes and the rest of it. So if you do fancy it, like please do get in like ASAP. Buy a ticket. It's ten pounds. We're supporting crisis homeless charity on the night. Um, but tickets are, are going to go this week, so I don't want to see anyone disappointed. That's that's next Saturday night before Newcastle take on Fulham next week. We've got absolutely loads coming up on Patreon this week. Uh, please do consider. You know, if you like what me and Norman do, if you like what you hear, there's absolutely loads more of it so get involved it's only about seven quid a month and it's at least 20 extra shows we have so much coming up over the summer we don't know where to start uh, and I think Norman thank you very much for your time we'll leave it there you have a train Pleasure. to catch you have a train to catch you get back to London and uh, thanks for watching and listening to True Faith Podcast we'll be back with the next free show next ooh, Sunday or Monday I don't know when it's going to happen hopefully after a sensational win over Fulham and Rafa Benitez signing a new contract thanks very much for listening Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.